0: This is episode number 171 with my husband, Nick Broadhurst, and you guessed it, me. The Melissa Ambrosini Show. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? I just wanted to quickly remind you that if you haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Mine is Himalaya. So head on over to the Apple Google Play Store to download it today. Don't forget to follow me once you're done so that you can listen to my episodes one day earlier than they're usually released. Pretty cool, huh? This episode is brought to you by Uveda. As you guys know, I'm obsessed with Ayurveda and Uveda is an epic, heart-centered, family-owned Ayurvedic company with a larger-than-life vision to create a healthier, happier world using the intelligence of Mother Nature. Now, I truly wish that none of us needed supplements. But in this modern world with the depletion in our soil and with the full lives we all lead these days, sometimes our bodies need some extra love and support. This is why I love Uveda; They are such high grade, ayurvedically developed supplements to support not only your body, but your mind and soul too, helping you rebalance and come back to homeostasis, which is what the body wants. I love their mood supplements and love how they come in individual packs, perfect for someone who travels as much as I do. Now, I've teamed up with Uveda to give you, the Epic MA Tribe, 35% off your first order. So all you have to do is head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash Uveda, and that is spelled Y-O-U-V-E-D-A, and you can get your 35% off your first order right now. We are back for another episode of Yin and Yang Q&A. You guys loved it so much last time, and I posted about it on my Instagram, and you guys were like, come and do it again, and you sent so many questions, so here we are. My darling husband, Nick Broadhurst, does not need an introduction. He is the most regular person on the podcast. There's so many amazing episodes with him on my show, so make sure you go and check all of those out. And we are so excited to answer all of your burning questions about health, relationships, soulmates, career, abundance, manifestation, parenting, step parenting, and so much more. And for everything that Nick and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 171. But before we dive into today's episode, I want to read the review of the week. And this one comes from Nicole Bartlett. And it's five stars and it is titled Love, Love, Love. And she says, The Melissa Ambrosini Show is my go-to podcast. I absolutely love the Monday Motivations as they always seem to be exactly what I need to hear. And I absolutely love the diverse range of guests she has on the show. There have been so many tips and tricks that I have researched and implemented into my life from listening to the different guests. Keep up the amazing work, beautiful. Thank you, Nicole. I absolutely will keep going because I love doing this for you and I enjoy it so much much. So thank you so much for that beautiful five-star review. I'm so grateful. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave me that five-star review right now. I will be so grateful. And without further ado, let's get this party started. Let's bring on the one, the only, Nick Broadhurst. Welcome back to the show. Because you have been on so many times, you know the first question What did you have for breakfast this morning?
1: Oh, I love my breakfast. I literally, I think I dream about my breakfast. It's so good. And this is a very, very Vata pacifying breakfast. So this won't work for everyone, but it works for me. And that is, I have half a cup of oats. I'm telling you specifically because. You'll probably get questions on social media exactly what I do so I'm going to tell you right now half a cup of oats which I soak in water overnight then I cook those oats in the morning after draining them in some hot water until they're pretty dry I add 1 cup of berries with some maple syrup and some freshly made nut milk and some mm. essential oils as well I put in cinnamon and wild orange essential oil
0: Yum it smells so good. And I had what I always have. Well, not always, most mornings, which is a green smoothie full of so much delicious goodness. And the recipe for that is in my ebook, The Glow Kitchen. And I'm so excited to have you back for another episode of Yin and Yang Q&A. We have been asked so many times to do another one of these episodes and we had such great feedback from the first one. So here we are again and we will do more It's just a matter of pinning Nick down to actually do these episodes. So we've broken them up into a whole bunch of your questions we put out on social media. What do you want to know? And we've broken them down into wealth, business, work-related ones. We've got some health questions and we've got some love and relationship questions. We've got so many. So we will do our very, very best to move through all of them and give you the yin and yang perspective of each one. So Let's dive in. And these all came from Instagram. So I'm so grateful to every single person who submitted a question. And Kelly Track, your question is up first. So Nikki B, I would love to hear about some of the big mindset shifts you make before going to a new level in your business.
1: Well, that's an interesting question because when we talk about my business, you know, that's such a varied thing for me because it's changed so much over the years. The big shift I've had recently, which has led to me ending my podcast as of this week, is to become completely focused on my music. So music is now my business. And I do have other businesses, but music is now my business. And the mindset shift there was, I guess it was driven by the fact that I I feel like my life is not fully lived unless i Fully express myself within my music and just become much more prolific in that. So, in my last episode of my podcast, I asked the question, What is that one thing that you would do for free every single day? And for me, that's music, 100%. So, I think the mindset shift for me has become, What is my absolute non negotiable? And once I sort of hone in on that, it becomes not even more, not so much about mindset, it becomes about a feeling within my body that just has to be actioned. And I think that applies to every single person listening is what's that one thing you would do for free every day and feel into that, like really feel like for me, it almost feels like desperation. Like I have to do it. I have to do it. And then that becomes all encompassing for my body, my mind, my soul. And you know, I have no choice but to take action on that. How about you darling?
0: I guess for me, when I reflect back on new levels and next levels in my business and the evolution of my brand, the big shifts that I've had to move through has always been these limiting mean girl blocks, whether it's fear or worthiness. And every time I have mastered that limiting fear-based belief around, you know, I can't do this or I'm not smart enough or good enough. And I've busted through that. That's where my business has gone to the next level. So the big shifts for me have been mastering the fear, the mean girl stuff and worthiness. And am I worthy of this? And moving through those big blocks has really helped me move to the next level in my business.
1: I'd have to say as well that, you know, since this is the yin and yang Q&A, it, there's a beautiful dynamic that happens within a relationship where For example, when it comes to some of the financial stuff, often it's me sort of dragging you, kicking and screaming with me. But I have to acknowledge the way that you kind of just surrender to that process and trust me with so many things. And I think that's a beautiful thing in any partnership is to sometimes just surrender and trust your partner and and let them sort of take you on that journey. And that can actually really help you bust through some of those beliefs. Is just kind of following someone's lead as well. So I have to honor you on that because you you know, you you do that very well.
0: Thank you, darling, because yeah, it's really important, you know, as my type of personality that wanting to control everything and do everything and I ran my business by myself before I met you and then having you come in and handing over. I think a lot of people struggle with that. They they struggle with relinquishing control of their baby, their business, and and handing things over. But, you know, I trust you so much and it's you make it really easy.
1: Do you remember back in the day when we first started dating? In fact, we were engaged, obviously, because it was so quick. But do you remember when I saw you doing all your customer support emails <laughs> and I was like... Because everyone would probably know the hello at com email address, right? And Melissa started that. She was the customer support. And of course, you do that in a startup. That's nothing wrong with that. But she was getting flooded with customer support. And I'm just like, what are you doing? And I literally had to like peel her fingers off the keyboard and say, no more. Like I literally banned her from touching that inbox and had to get someone to come in and support her. But um, you've come a long way, darling.
0: Yes, I have. Thanks, my love. You'd never go in there now. Oh, no, no. (laughs) Thank goodness for Sarah. I love Sarah. You're the best. She's been part of our team now for about five years, so I'm very grateful for her. All right. I hope that helps. Let's move on to the next question, and this is from Life is Beautiful, and she's asked, what has been two to three of the most life-altering personal development seminars or workshops we have attended? And is there a book or a seminar that you would recommend to help with finances to help one become more masterful in their finances? So do you want to go first, babe?
1: Oh, this is a good question. I have not been to a lot of seminars, to be perfectly honest with you. I have. (laughs) (laughs) I actually don't think I've been to, I can't think of any, but I did go to Awesomeness Fest. Now, Awesomeness Fest is this incredible annual meeting. Over four days, I think it is. the first one I went to was in Hawaii. And it was a bit of a game changer because it introduced me to all these different types of entrepreneurs around the world who have become very close friends and, to be honest, have taken or played a big role in some of Melissa's business. In fact, our marketing team, I met through people I met at Awesomeness Fest. And then the next year, I went to Mexico. Awesomeness Fest, I actually was one of the keynote speakers that year. And I think that's one of the most fun things you can do in terms of the personal development space. It is so powerful. Everyone's on like some special elixir of just having fun and being super open loving and generous and vulnerable. It's just mind-blowing. So definitely check that out.
0: I think one that really hit home for me was Martinis.
1: Mm, I didn't do that one, but you yeah, did. Yeah, I
0: did that one on my own and it was the weekend breakthrough experience. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called?
1: The breakthrough experience, yeah. yeah.
0: that was life changing for me, not in terms of business, but more of a personal development awakening, so to speak. But I've been to so many, you know, a lot of my events are really life changing and life altering. That's the feedback that I get, but there's so many, but I definitely recommend Dr. John Martini's work. He is amazing. I've had him on the podcast. Also, Tony Robbins, his seminars are amazing. There are so many great ones out there. And I think go to as many as you can. Like, why not? We're never going to stop learning and growing and evolving. That's why we're here on earth. So if you can go to at least one big one per year, I would highly recommend it and go to as many as you can. And then in terms of a book regarding finances, my, there's so many, like Nick and I have read a lot of books on money and I've actually got a blog post on my website. If you type in the search books, it'll come up with all of the life changing, life altering books that I have read. And there's a couple under the finance money section. One of them was Martini's. Yes.
1: It's, it's called how to make one hell of a profit and still get into heaven.
0: It is amazing. And then so obviously Tony Robbins book.
1: Unshakable. Unshakeable.
0: Unshakeable. And what I was gonna say is Barefoot Investors for all the Aussies listening and Barefoot Investor for Families. That is an amazing book.
1: Not even just for Aussies, to be honest, because he's speaking specifically to an Australian audience in terms of banks and things, but all the same rules apply around the world. So it doesn't matter where you are, the Barefoot Investor is an absolute essential because you know, and this is something which Di Martini taught us. In fact, I was really lucky to actually have Di Martini just him and one of my friends in a room for hours, just the three of us, and then another time about 10 of us in a room for, for a whole day. In fact, that's where Melissa first met John Demartini, was with us in a small group. So we've been really fortunate to have some very close-up time with John. And I think we probably use more of his concepts than anyone else in our life. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, the concepts definitely. of polarity, the concepts of divine order, the concepts... Of projection, just everything. It's just he has changed everything for us. Mm. So you can read the book, The Breakthrough Experience, actually, and you can facilitate your own breakthrough, which is pretty cool. But the Barefoot Investor is an absolute essential book on that. And what it does, and this is something which John speaks about in his how to get how to make one hell of a profit and still get into heaven book, is that when your financial house is organized, the universe feels safe to send money to you, to send abundance to you. When it's not organized, it's going to send you proportionately how much you can hold, right? So I actually, I noticed this in our own life. Once we really looked at our numbers, in fact, I've done a podcast episode called Do You Have Leaky Money Buckets, actually?
0: And we'll link to everything that we mention in the show notes. So you don't need to worry about writing everything down.
1: Yeah. So Do You Have Leaky Money Buckets talks about this, that when your financial house is organised you attract more abundance. And so that means knowing all of the fees that come out of your bank account, making sure that you're not using credit card interest, knowing the numbers in your business, literally knowing all of your numbers and getting it super, super clean and super squeaky. And that was a game changer for us because we were pretty good. But when we did that, I noticed that our own wealth went to a new level. Mm. It's like more just started coming to us. Because we could hold it.
0: Mm -hmm. We're a safe vessel for money. Money wants to come and land where it feels safe and where it's going to be used for good. You know, if you're doing, if you're giving back, and we do, we give back a lot to different charities and organizations. Money is like, oh, I'm going to go and, you know, hang out with Nick and Mel for a while because it's a safe place. So that's something really important to think about. And a couple of other amazing books that have been really impactful in our life is The Science of Getting Rich. Mm. That was amazing by Wallace Waddles. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. That was also amazing. So they're probably our most favorite books on money and finances.
1: You're, pre- you're pretty set with those.
0: Yeah. If you read those, you're good. You're good to go. Yeah. So I hope that answers your question and let's move on to the next one. Okay. Jade Panda, she said, if there is something new you want to manifest, what steps would you suggest taking to get the ball rolling and to then keep it rolling?
1: Okay. So this is a great question right now for me because what I'm wanting to manifest now in my life is to become prolific with my music. But not just writing and writing and writing. I want to write great music. I want to, I mean, I don't know whether this is ego or what it is, but I want that music to be heard by the world, by millions and millions and millions and tens of millions of people. That's my goal. I think that what I have to offer the world is unique and I think people can benefit from that and I'm not going to shy away from wanting to get that out to the world. I'm going to own that. So what I'm doing at the moment is I'm studying people who have done it. I'm just looking at what did these people do? to make this happen. And the great thing is, you realise, oh yeah, they're just normal people and they just happened to write this great song and oh yeah, it actually wasn't as hard as you think it probably is, they just did it, (laughs) right? So I think in terms of manifesting something new, it's about taking action. Like if you don't take any action, you can learn and learn and learn and learn. But eventually, you just got to sit down at your piano, sit down with your computer, sit down, and whatever it is that you want to do, you've got to sit down and just do it. And then, in keep in terms of keeping it rolling, it's really about discipline. I mean, when Melissa's in book writing mode, she sits down, and I think it was you first started doing it. At, I think it was seven o'clock in the morning or something. You'd start quite early. And she'd write from 7 till 12 and she wouldn't stop. And she was done for the day. She did five hours. She'd just crank it out. And maybe she'd do a bit more in the afternoon if she felt like it. And she did that day in, day out for months. And a book comes out of it and she has a bestseller. And that's really because she just kept showing up. And there's a really great book called Daily Rituals. And Daily Rituals shows all these different people through history and what their daily rituals were. And I can't remember who said this. I'm totally paraphrasing, but... One of them was, he was, this person was asked a question. He was a, a novelist. The question was, how do you find inspiration? And he said, I'm really lucky for me because inspiration just happens to strike at 9am every morning. And what he meant by that was that he sits down at his computer and writes at nine o'clock every single morning. And it could have been Stephen King, I'm not too sure. And Stephen King is amazing if you want to model someone, because when he finishes a book, He literally puts to the side, doesn't take a breath and starts another one.
0: That's prolific.
1: Doesn't even like have a cup of tea. (laughs) Like That just blows my mind that I would love to develop that. So I think taking action and being disciplined, what else is there?
0: I think for me, manifesting, Nick always jokes that I have magical manifesting fairy dust, you know, whatever I want to manifest in my life, I just sprinkle my magical fairy dust and I manifest it. And the the way that I do this is by getting really clear on what it is that I actually want. I think so many people can't manifest things because they're not super clear. Like, what is it that you exactly want? Write it down. What do you want to create? What do you desire? Write it out and get super, super clear on it. And then you act as if you've already got that. I think, you know, feeling a lot of people like, I want the home or I want the car and they feel this lack within themselves. There is no lack. You already are full. You already have everything that you truly desire. So it's about feeling what it feels like to already have that thing. And then like Nick said before, taking daily inspired action. So if you want that thing, what do you have to do every single day to manifest that? Like Nick and I, for example, A year ago, we started ballroom and Latin dancing. And for us to get better at that, we have to practice. There's no way we're going to be able to do competitions and to be able to perform if we don't practice. And so for us to manifest performing in front of big crowds and and winning awards, we have to practice every single day. So get really clear on what it is you want and then take daily inspired action every single day. And some days you'll feel super inspired and you'll want to full steam ahead and and you might have huge growth and progress and then other days you might take one step ahead. And it doesn't matter as long as you've showed up and you've taken inspired action that day.
1: And if you're wanting to do that one thing in your life that I spoke about before, the one thing you would do for free every day, There's an amazing book. We've spoken about this before. It was a game changer for me. It was a game changer for Melissa. It's The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. I mean, I read that and I felt literally like my life was slipping away after I read that. And that was it. That was the turning point. I'm like, that's it. I'm doing it. Let's go.
0: Yeah, it's a a great book. I, I read that after procrastinating about starting writing Open Wide and read it again for the second time closed it and just went, ha, laughed at myself and then opened my laptop and started writing. You might like to know,
1: I think the audience would love to know that with open wide, it was pretty funny because she had this deadline and it just kept getting closer and closer and she hadn't done anything, right?
0: Hadn't even started.
1: And okay, always tomorrow, there's always tomorrow, there's always tomorrow. Months went past and it got to like, was it two or three months out?
0: Yeah, it was due in May and it- I just start. I started it on Feb first. That's
1: right. It was Feb first, and I said, "Babe, I think it's time." What do you reckon? Do you reckon we should get the ball rolling with this one? And she literally just had to do what we spoke about before. She just sat down in the office, which was doubling as Leo's bedroom at the time, and just showed up every day. And the first book she wrote on sort of in seclusion, we took a bit of a six-week creative break, where I wrote a lot of my first album, and Melissa wrote. 80% of mastering your main goal in six weeks. In fact, she did it in two weeks. But you don't always need that seclusion because often inspiration strikes, like the inspiration you can get from daily living, right? If you go and put yourself in some idyllic situation, well, what are you going to write about? The clouds? You know, you actually need to be, I think, in your environment for the best stuff to come up and not use that as an excuse. So anyway.
0: Good advice. All right. Aggie and Mikkel say, and this actually was a few different people asked this, so I will just put it all into one question. but a few people wanted to know this same sort of thing. I would love to know what programs and apps you use to organize your time and achieve so much in your life. So things like calendars, to-do lists, blogging, business communication. Can you share all of that information? and we actually have already shared this information in the last yin and yang and nick has a whole bunch of podcast episodes but just to give you a couple of my favorite off the top of my head so i use the digital calendar that comes on my laptop free it's free guys you don't need to go and you know buy one the one that comes on your iphone and it syncs to your computer so easy Get a digital calendar; it's life changing. Get organized. One reason why I feel like I'm able to achieve so much in my life is because I am incredibly pitter and incredibly organized and detail orientated. Yep, <laughs> and that's an amazing quality that I love about myself. So that that getting getting a digital calendar is amazing. I use the Things app, which is like a digital to do list. That is awesome. I actually interviewed David Allen, who wrote the book Getting Things Done, on my podcast. He created that whole project management, not project management software, project management.
1: Philosophy. Philosophy. Process. Yeah. And Things was developed by a company called Culture Code specifically for that style of productivity.
0: Yeah. But there's actually a whole bunch of them as well. There is. There's there's heaps of different to-do list apps that you can get. And another one that I use for business and for my internal team, because I have a big team, but they're all virtual, is Teamwork. So there are other ones like Asana and Trello, but I've used all of them and I love Teamwork. I think that works really great for my business. So they're like the three things. Oh, and Voxer. I was going to say. Yeah. Voxer is life-changing. So they're the four apps that I use all day, every day. Have you got any others that you use, babe?
1: I was going to reiterate Voxer because I did a whole episode on this just called Want Better Relationships? There's an app for that. And it's not just business. It's actually, we have found that the people we have on Voxer, we become closer to because you feel like you're in the same room with them all the time. It's really an incredible tool for relationships and for business. And coming back to your calendar suggestion, to tie all the dots, we use Google. Okay, so Google is the thing that brings everything together. So G Suite, okay? So G Suite is basically Google's business suite of apps. And that connects Gmail, which we use. Just I would never use anything other than Gmail. I couldn't imagine using another program. It's so powerful. Google Drive, and within that, of course, all the different Google Docs. And we use Google Contacts and Google Calendars We don't actually use those apps online. We use the accounts and we sync them within the Apple Calendar and within the Apple Contacts, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, so I kind of may have misled them by saying I use the Apple.
1: So you're using the Apple interface, but we're using Google for all of our accounts. So Google is basically the heartbeat of everything. It's, it's the heartbeat of my music as well. You know, everything sits within Google Drive and automatically syncs off my desktop. So it's our amazing.
0: Whole, our whole team has access to our Google Drive. Brooke, who is the manager of my business, she has access to everything and, you know, our Google Calendar so she can put meetings in and do all of that stuff. It's really powerful to have it all in one place. Another thing that I get asked a lot about is, and I think this is especially true for women, is they they say to me, I have 15,000 photos on my iPhone and I'm oh so wow. unorganized. And I was the same until I met Mr. Organized over there, who is a perfectionist and organized king. And we got Google Photos. So all of our photos on our phone get automatically when we're in Wi-Fi uploaded to Google Photos. And then you can delete them off your phone. So if you lose your phone, you don't lose your photos because they're all in Google Photos, which is awesome.
1: Literally, I can't believe the whole world doesn't use Google Photos because the thought of having photos on my phone is just stressful. You know, like it literally just gives me a headache thinking about having to, if you drop your phone, lose your phone, where do your photos go? Just something as simple as that. So definitely check out Google Photos. We also use things like Evernote extensively. We use Zoom for meetings a lot.
0: And FaceTime, Skype.
1: Yeah, all those things. You know, it's not, there's no miracle here. It's just that we use them like really, really well. We're very disciplined with them. So yeah, check those out.
0: They're good. I hope that helps. All right, let's move on to the next question from Jameson. How do you balance being and doing, especially for business owners who can't yet afford to have a team support them? I find that I get anxious both ways and feel like I'm never doing enough being or doing. This is such a great question.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, if I look at our journey together, when we first met, we worked a lot more than we do now.
0: We would work until ten, eleven o'clock at night because you were doing other things during the day and I was doing some other things during the day. So then when we were working on, you know, taking MA to the next level, it had to be at nighttime.
1: And we're not massive advocates of doing that, to be perfectly honest. because we don't do that anymore. No, it's not healthy at all. And I think it's about boundaries, to be honest, like being really firm about your boundaries, being really clear on what your priorities are. So
0: And discipline.
1: And speaking of discipline, I think it comes down to how is your day structured? So no matter what you have going on, You can structure your day so that you can thrive. You can structure it so that you go to bed feeling like you showed up fully. So to give some basic tips around that, I mean, I think this is one of the most powerful things any single person can do is to get their day sorted. And it's amazing. I had some sessions recently with some of our Path to Freedom team members and just going through their days and just sort of reorganizing, tweaking things. And I always say to them, let's start with your sleep. What time do you go to sleep and what time do you wake up? Now, of course, this this is going to be different for every single person. But I just don't believe there's anyone who's going to benefit from going to bed or going to sleep later than 10 o'clock and awake later than six. I really think that is the foundation of stability, of health, longevity, everything, is having a solid sleep routine. So dialing that in, I mean, Melissa and I are asleep by eight and up by four thirty, 5, 5.30, right?
0: I'm 4.30. <laughs> I'm always up before him.
1: So for us, that's become non-negotiable. We love it. We sort of joke about, you know, we get into bed at 7 o'clock, 7.30. We love it. It's so much fun. Now, of course, not everyone can do that. We've shaped our lives that way now. But in the early days of starting a business, get really clear on your day. So if, if you are asleep by 10 and awake by 6, well, what are you doing at 6 o'clock? Now, of course, we recommend that you have some sort of morning routine that's your anchor, right? So for us, it's yoga, meditation. It could be a walk for Melissa. We're not super fixed on everything, but there are some things that we always do. And having that routine in place and saying, okay, from six till eight, that's what I do. But if you have children, you may have to work with your partner to make that happen. And then when you sit down at your computer or whatever you do, if it's eight o'clock or nine o'clock, being laser focused, like only doing one thing at a time. Don't go between email and Voxer or whatever. Just stay in your lane and do one thing at a time, right? Just be laser focused and then have lunch at the same time every day, right? Really, really important. So you set that foundation, have some time after lunch to have a, have a walk, take a break, have a swim if you, need, if you live near the beach, go and sit in the forest if you live near the forest. And then the afternoon again can be super structured. So you just become laser focused. And of course, huge thing is batching your emails. Like don't have the email open all day. Allow yourself a 30 minute window or two 30 minute windows, whatever you need, but do not go in there any other time than during that window. Really, really like so important. Email can take over your life and then have dinner at the same time every night. Literally have that routine. And then after dinner, what are you doing? Well, if you can avoid it, I would definitely avoid doing any work after dinner. I would take two hours, three hours to wind down, read read a novel. Like We don't always have to be learning. Do something that relaxes you, whatever that is. Take an Epsom salt bath, take a walk, lie in bed and chat to your partner, make love, whatever it is, if you can, take that time to relax because you're going to have much better sleep. And then the next day, you're going to wake up and be so much more productive because you're balanced. So it's about maintaining equilibrium.
0: Mm. What do you think, darling? Yeah, and I think for me it's knowing when I'm like being and when I'm doing, like knowing that, okay, I'm going to sit down at my laptop right now and I'm going to be super laser focused for the next hour and I'm going to do my emails or I'm going to write that article or I'm going to record that podcast so I know that in that time I'm in doing mode. And then... When I've got this big chunk of white space in the afternoon, like three hours, where there's nothing in my calendar and I know that I can be, I just allow my intuition to lead me. You know, recently it's like, do I want to lay on the couch and read? Do I want to have a nap? Do I want to walk down to the beach and lay on the beach? What does my intuition, what does my soul want in that time, in that being time? So, you've got to have throughout your day time where you're doing, obviously, doing your work, and then time when you've just got space to be. Of course, you want to be fully present in whatever you're doing in every single moment, absolutely. But leave these massive chunks of white space in your calendar to just be. You know, on our weekends, we make one commitment on a Saturday and one commitment on a Sunday. Anymore, and my soul gets overwhelmed. I can't do five catch-ups with five different girlfriends on a Saturday. I can't do it. I mean, I can, but I don't want to. My soul doesn't want to. That just doesn't fill me up. In it, it feels, it makes me feel overwhelmed and stressed before I've even gotten there. Even though catching up with them definitely fills me up, it's it's the whole. I just want to create as much white space in my calendar to do to just be. So I think, you know, knowing when you're being, knowing when you're doing, scheduling that into your calendar and and then just being really flowy with those times where you can be. I think that's, that's what's really helped me anyway.
1: Yeah. And you've improved that a lot over the years because Melissa was a, like the king of filling up her weekends with a gazillion social things. And I could see it was stressing her out. I'm like, babe, let's just maybe do nothing. We actually recently had a weekend where purposely we just said, right, There's nothing booked, zero, nothing, and we sort of got to Saturday morning. We're like, "Oh my god, this feels so spacious and so good." What do you want to do? And fun.
0: That's how we do most of our weekends now. Like today, there was absolutely today is a Saturday, and we are recording this on a Saturday morning. This is the only thing we've got on today,
1: and we're doing it today because I am trying. I am not doing anything else during the week other than music because the minute you turn on the other side of your brain the creative process is just kind of screwed so i've got to be very disciplined with that
0: epic advice honey thank you all right let's move on to some health related questions health and vitality so we've got cnd mama she wants to know how do you unwind say on a friday night after a particularly hectic week
1: i don't know we're kind of nana's really we we do the same thing pretty much i mean for us, our evenings don't really change. They're pretty much the same all the time, slight variations. But most nights, we will either just get straight into bed and read, or talk, or make love, whatever is feeling good.
0: Or in winter, have a bath.
1: Have a bath. And some nights we will watch. There's a great series at the moment with Jamie Oliver, Jamie and the Nonnas, and it's him cooking with different nonnas through Italy. It's on Ten. It's so beautiful. Ten Play, I think. And if you're around the world, you'll be able to find it. But I mean, just watching literally 20 minutes of that, because Melissa falls asleep within like two (laughs) seconds.
0: I have this knack for as soon as a movie or something goes on, I'm gone, asleep.
1: Fully knocked.
0: Yeah. They don't take me to the movies anymore because I just fall asleep.
1: You did stay awake for Star is Born and Bohemian Rhapsody. I was very impressed.
0: Yeah, I'm impressed too.
1: In fact, we watched a film the other night. I couldn't believe two films that were just pretty average, actually, but- you stayed awake for both of those, which was amazing, right? So she can stay awake for Dumplin'.
0: <laughs> romantic comedies are my forte.
1: Valentine's Day she stayed awake for and Dumplin'. And then I can bring on like the most epic film and she's asleep. I'm like, how?
0: Well, this is the thing. Like I only choose to watch comedies or romantic comedies because I do not like how I feel when I watch violent or scary or stressful movies. Like even We don't,
1: we don't watch those though.
0: No, but just in the past when, when I have or when we have, like even when you and Leo have watched like
1: Avengers sci-fi
0: or, or they're still too violent for me. Like Thor is still too violent for me. Like it's too much fighting and it's just too much. So uh, I think that's really important. Like be mindful of what you choose to allow into your world. You know, I purpose, I don't care. Like people are like, you only watch rom-coms. I'm like, yeah, I don't care because I want to laugh and I want to feel, I want to feel good. I don't want to feel scared. You know, I don't want to feel, I don't want any more cortisol in my cells than I already have. Thank you very much. So
1: you do watch, the other night we did watch Queen Days of Our Lives, I think it was Which is a
0: documentary. It's amazing.
1: I think it's illegally uploaded on YouTube actually, but I initially watched it on replay, like Channel 9 or something. A two-part series. It's really fantastic. I mean, just Freddie Mercury. Just that whole life of being himself unapologetically was so inspiring for me. You know, he didn't. He was just him at a time where it wasn't cool to be him, but he made it cool because he was just so believable. You know, as Freddie. So that was a great thing. So we do love watching docos as well. Yeah. If, they, if they're if they're inspiring and fun, but nothing serious. Nothing no. heavy.
0: No, no, no. Nothing scary.
1: But what else do you do to unwind, darling?
0: Okay. So we don't actually feel like we need to unwind per se. Like we're constantly doing things to rebalance, you know, whenever we feel out of balance. So we don't wait till a Friday afternoon to go, oh my gosh, I feel unbalanced. I need to rebalance. So during the week i'm constantly doing things to fill myself up you know swimming in the ocean walking in nature meditating yoga moving my body nourishing my body going to bed early so i'm doing all of these things every single day so that i don't feel like i need to unwind or or feel like i need to i'm out of balance but you know things that really help me drop into that relaxed state you know like nick said getting into bed super early massages even just like Nick giving me a nice little foot rub or things like that. So, Or even just
1: dancing around the living room being stupid.
0: That definitely changes your state. Tony Robbins call talks a lot about changing your state. If you want to change your state, put on some music and just dance. Even like me just watching Nick dance is freaking hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah, just find the things that help you, like try not to turn to food or alcohol or recreational drugs or...
1: Or massive chocolate cookies like we did the other night. Yeah. And then felt. Very the next day. sick.
0: <laughs> Note to self, Melissa, do not eat raw cacao at nighttime. How many times do I have to learn this lesson? Me too. I was wide awake. Anyway, so find those things that really help you feel relaxed and do them and make sure they're coming from that place of love, not from that place of self-sabotage. All right. CND, mama also has a question from her hubby. How do you coordinate a busy school run work day filled with chores, et cetera, while still respecting each other's doshas and needs and strengths?
1: Yeah, that's a juicy one. I I think this comes down to communication. So, actually, before communication, it would be about identifying those core things that are really important to you to maintain your own equilibrium, because that's what Ayurveda is all about. It's about living in a state of equilibrium, in a state of balance, right? So, what are the things that allow you to do that, okay? And communicating that with your partner and having a conversation around that and then working out ways to build that into the day. I mean, there's so many variables. It's really hard to answer that question specifically. I think you just need to be very, very clear on your dosha. If you haven't done that before, you can do a dosha quiz on someone like Sahara Rose's website. I totally recommend you seeing an Ayurvedic practitioner and having your pulse read to, to really get, your dosha done accurately and then studying that you know reading something like Sahara's book listening to Melissa's podcast episodes many podcast episodes and ayurveda with Stephen Cabral and Sahara and, and
0: Suhas Su- and Dr
1: Suhas Sagar Akil. Akil so many great episodes I've got a whole ayurveda series about balancing your doshas I've done about 12 episodes on on ayurveda so i think it's about one understanding your dosha two communicating with your partner three, having a plan. So working that into your days and allowing each other to have that time as much as they need to maintain equilibrium. What do you think, darling?
0: Yeah. And practicing crystal clear communication, like you said, I think it's really important as well, asking, you know, what do you want to do? So when Nick and I first got together, we almost had like a meeting, like what roles do you want to do in the house and what roles light you up and what roles do you not want to do? So like, I don't, take the rubbish out. I never take, I don't want to do it. I'm never going to do it. It's not my role. That's Nick's job. But I do all the washing of the clothes, hanging the clothes out. I do all the folding. I like doing that stuff. So, and Nick loves doing school drop-off. I like doing school pick-up. So, it's about practicing that crystal clear communication and working out, making a list of everything that needs to be done with the school, with working, with chores around the house literally make a list of all of the chores of everything that needs to be done in your days and divide it up. And we literally were like, well, I like doing that. So I'll do that. And Nick was like, yeah, well, I don't mind taking the rubbish out. So I'll do that. And we just kind of had this open, honest, real conversation about it. And now we never have to talk about it. I don't have to get annoyed at him and think, oh my God, why hasn't he taken out the rubbish? It's so annoying. Like I don't have to have that internal dialogue with myself because Nick just knows he takes out the rubbish. That's his job. And I think that's where a lot of unresolved anger comes from is because us women, you know, we don't communicate with them and they're like, you okay, honey? And we're like, yeah, I'm okay. We're well, not really. We're not okay because they haven't taken the rubbish out in three days, and we really want them to take out the rubbish. But if only we practiced crystal clear communication and told them, they would do it. So I think that's really important. Sitting down with your partner and your children, writing out every, uh, writing out a list of everything that needs to be done, and dividing it up, and making sure your children are involved as well. Like we, I know kids have a lot on these days, but Leo has. A chore or a task, whatever you want to call it, every Sunday. When we're in Bondi, it is cleaning the balcony. So he vacuums and mops the balcony. When we're in Noosa, he washes the car. And that's his job every Sunday. And I think it's really important that we give them autonomy and we give them um, something to do as well. So having that open and honest conversation is where it's at.
1: I think also being specific around some doshik examples for you and I to give an example would be I know right now, See, Melissa and I have just come through renovating a home and moving and all sorts of things, right? So the stress levels were a bit higher than usual. And what's been really supportive for Melissa is afternoon naps and something she's never actually done, but it's been really good for her body. Really, really good for her body. Now I can't do that. If I nap as a Vata, just forget about getting to sleep that night. Like I'm not going to get to sleep, right? It just screws my circadian rhythm. But Melissa as a Pitta she can actually do a, like a solid one hour nap, and still fall asleep at seven o'clock.
0: Yeah, it's probably not one hour. They're probably about 20 minutes.
1: But you seem to lie there for about two hours.
0: Yeah, I I lay there for about two hours reading (laughs) and just relaxing. I'm doing this new thing called Operation Relaxation. So I'm getting really good at it, leaving lots of white space in my afternoons just to do that, to do whatever my soul wants to do.
1: But I know that our life is not the same as a lot of people who may have two nine to five jobs. I mean, that's a very different situation. So- At the end of the day, it just comes down to those three things I suggested. So give it a crack.
0: Okay, next question comes from Kaylee Michelle Norris. What are three simple biohacks that anyone can implement into their life right away? This is regarding health. Yeah,
1: it's a broad question because it depends how you define biohacking. And I remember Dave Asbury defining it as trying to get control over something you shouldn't have control over, right? So, based on that definition, I don't really want to biohack. I don't want to try and control things. I want to flow a bit more. So, I think the the ultimate biohack is meditation. Yeah. Right. I've actually, in all transparency, I've been less disciplined in the last few months than I have been my whole life for some reason. Probably because I was renovating as well, and I was literally up straight away, on site working, and then back late. So there was probably a good reason for it. But I would not be who I am. I would not be with Melissa. I wouldn't have created any music if I didn't meditate. Like it all starts with that.
0: If you literally want to upgrade every area of your life, start meditating. Your health will improve. Your relationships will improve. Your career will improve. Start meditating. That is the number one biohack that that I have. I mean, there's also things like going to bed early, getting good quality eight hours sleep. I think that's an amazing biohack. I think drinking clean filtered water is an amazing biohack. I think, you know, eating organic, non-chemical laden food is really important. Surrounding yourself with inspiring people and inspiring environments. They're all my epic biohacks that I do every single day. Connecting with mother nature is also another one.
1: Yeah, no, we could be talking about taking Time mind riboside, or something like some cool new supplement or whatever. And there could be a place for that somewhere. But really, honestly, unless you're doing the basics, forget all the advanced stuff. Like it's such a waste of time, right? Just get the basic style. Then everything Melissa said is what I was going to say, you know, like the, just the absolute basics. Just do those consistently and see what it can do for your life. I mean, something as simple as bringing a, a different type of breath into your day. So, breathing in for three or four seconds and breathing out for six or eight seconds, depending on the size of your lungs. And that can take you straight into the parasympathetic mode, which is like such a gift, right? Doing that before you eat your meal, blessing your food, giving gratitude at each meal so that you can actually digest your food properly. Not sitting there watching TV or reading or you know, being distracted while you eat is going to get more nutrients into your body. That's an amazing biohack. Mm. So I honestly think I don't want control over things I shouldn't have control over. I want to just simplify life. And we've been there, haven't we, Melissa? We've been deep in the biohacking world and there is a place for it occasionally, I think. But ultimately, simplicity is far more fun and -hmm. rewarding, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I just wanted to touch on, you know, you were talking about eating without distractions. I think that's really important. You will never see us eating in front of the TV or on our phones or reading a magazine. When we're eating, we're sitting at the table and it's just us. We're having a conversation. And I think that's really important. Bring it back, simplify come back to basics. That's one of my favorite words this year is simplify. You know, simplify every area of your life. Declutter every area of your life. That is an amazing biohack, for sure. Amen. All right, Miss Blair Lauren, what deodorant do you both use? I don't use deodorant.
1: I actually use the new formulation of deodorant that's been created by doTERRA. Super clean. It's using really beautiful essential oils. That they have in their balance oil, which I love because it's about, I mean, I love the whole concept of equilibrium and balance. So using a deodorant that has essential oils in it that maintain balance is just a win-win in my world. So if you head to nickandmelissa.com and just check out the information on that page, you can actually enroll and join doTERRA and get 25% off just by following those instructions on that page.
0: Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Okay. So there is a big long question by Plentifully Satisfied. And it's basically about how she can support her partner and inspire him because she's feeling super positive with all the changes she's making and she wants to inspire her partner. And we've spoken about this so much. And I talk a lot about this in my books and on my podcast. And one of the best ways, the only way that you can inspire, Anyone else is by being the living, breathing, walking, talking example of what it is that you believe. You cannot get anyone to meditate or to drink green smoothies or to come on your journey with you. All you can do is be the example and let go of the attachment and the expectation that you have for the other person to change. Allow them to be their own sovereign being and you simply be the example. In saying that, you know, Nick and I, absolutely, we are aiming to be the inspiration within ourselves, for ourselves and for each other. But we do call each other out when we're not our highest self. Oh, yeah. So what do you want to add to that?
1: If you want to inspire someone, you have to be inspiring. (laughs) Honestly, it sounds so silly to say because it's so that's simple. A quote.
0: It's a good quote.
1: Hashtag. Yeah, honestly, I think that's it. And on, when we have bumpy periods of our relationship, <clears throat> neither of us are probably being super inspiring in that period, right? It all comes down to that. We're not leading by example. And one of the challenges in relationship is that it's it's a massive surrender because. You have to respect, as Melissa said, that that person is a sovereign being and on their own journey, and they may not want to go on that ride with you. And they might.
0: And that's okay if they don't want to.
1: And then if they don't want to, you have two choices. You either accept that or you leave. And I know that sounds really kind of black and white, but if you don't accept it but you stay... That's just literally Einstein's definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Like that's going to drive you insane. So I know people who are in relationships and very different to each other, different core values, but they've accepted it and they just make it work. And I know other people who have, like Melissa and I have extremely close core values, which is why I think we got engaged so quickly because there was such strong alignment. And if that person is not wanting to become more, if they're just holding firm, and I've spoken about this so many times, probably in a yin-yang Q&A, but there is going to be a certain amount of tension between you that you can take. I use the rubber band analogy, and I won't say it again, but essentially, there's only so much that relationship can stretch, right? If one person's going in one direction, the other person's going in another direction, or just staying where they are, that rubber band between you is just going to stretch, 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 it's either going to break Or that person's going to get flung up to you on the journey. So I think just simplifying it that way, if you want to be, if you want to inspire someone, you have to be inspiring.
0: I love it. Quote of the day, of the decade, of the year, of the lifetime. I
1: don't often do Instagram quotes. Shall I put one up today?
0: Yeah, I love that. Why not? (laughs) All right. The next question comes from Kate873. And she said, my question is, what symptoms did you and Nick have with candida or bacterial overgrowth? I can't afford Dr. Cabral's labs at the moment. She's saving up for them. Where is a good place to start to help my body if I suspect that I have candida or bacterial overgrowth? And then she's got another question, which I'll answer in a second. But I just wanted to say, we've spoken a lot about candida and gut health on my podcast and some of the common symptoms that a lot of people uh, get are skin issues, fatigue, autoimmune issues. What else, babe?
1: I mean, the most common thing I hear in women is bloating after they eat. Mm. I mean, such a big one. And it doesn't always have to be candida. It could can just be weak digestion because you're not fully present when you're eating. I mean, there's so many things you've got to look at. For Me personally, I think this is a massive generalisation. I'm not a doctor, a naturopath, a dietitian, whatever you want to call it. This is just from my own personal experience. I find it very hard to believe that many people out there would have crystal clean guts with no candida, right? Because we've all had, like, it doesn't matter how clean you and I are now. I wish you could see Melissa. We're, in our, we're upstairs in our recording studio and she's like, it's, it's hot.
0: It is 180 degrees up here.
1: She's She's got this beautiful dress on. I think it's an August dress, is it?
0: Yeah, it's one of my flowy dresses.
1: It's down at her waist, so she's fully topless. <laughs> and then it's pulled up, so she's fully frontal noodle, frontal nude. It's
0: so hot up here, guys. And the air conditioning is just not doing its thing. And my pitter just gets so hot. So I'm pretty much nude recording this.
1: She's nude. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Candida. But yeah, so I think the CBO protocol, which he has on his website, you can go to imnickbroadhurst.com forward slash candida. It'll take you straight there.
0: It's This is Dr. Stephen Cabral's protocol you're talking so, about. Yeah,
1: it's so gentle. It's affordable. It's, you don't even really notice you're doing anything.
0: He actually shares the whole protocol on his podcast yeah. for free and in his book, The Rain Barrel Effect. It's all there. So if you suspect that you have some sort of candida or bacterial overgrowth Listen to his podcast.
1: Listen to the podcast. Try, do the protocol. I think anyone can benefit from it.
0: Absolutely. It's a
1: tidy up. I'll probably do that every few years. We've done that now. I've done it twice, actually, because mine was a bit more stubborn thanks to some old mold stuff. But yeah, just give it a crack. And you don't have to do all the labs. You can just start there and see how you feel.
0: Mm, And it's really important that you tune into how you feel. And her second part of the question was, What household cleaning and washing products do you guys use? We have a toxic-free home, so everything in our home is as low-tox as possible. This goes for food, cleaning products, beauty products, everything.
1: Even how we built the house.
0: Yes, even how we built our new house. We just did an eight-month renovation and the paint we used was all low-tox and this is for another episode. All the paint, the glues, all that stuff. But what we use is, again, the doTERRA cleaning products and washing products. They're beautiful. And if you want to get them for 25% off, which is how much we get them for, just head to nickandmelissa.com and you can get yourself some beautiful doTERRA non-toxic products there and their beautiful oils. And you also get access to the Path to Freedom and the Path to Wellness program for free and our Facebook groups. For free as well, when you join via nikammelissa And
1: just to add to that as well, like we don't use actually a lot. we when we do use them, we use those ones. but day to day we're just using water, really? Like we're in a cloth. Yeah, we don't use a lot. That said, I'm always experimenting with different essential oils. I mean, this is I love essential oils because it's mother nature in a bottle, right? It's so potent and so strong. Whatever you've got going on, emotionally, physically, health, cleaning, I don't, you just look it up. <laughs> what essential oils can you use for that? It's so cool. And I'm always blending things. Like Even recently, my dad got in trouble for using a rather nasty weed killer. And so we looked up a weed recipe and made one out of Castile soap, vinegar, salt, distilled water, and various essential oils. And it's unbelievable. Like it's better than the really nasty toxic thing, right? So, yeah, just play around with essential oils. There's so much fun.
0: Yes. Thanks, sweetie. And just Google, 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 Google. There's so much information out there on what oils to use for what. So definitely check it out. Hello Lewis asks, I would love an episode on pregnancy well-being and a different view on the tests that are being asked of pregnant women, for example, the glucose test, etc. I find it difficult to locate information that differs from the standard advice given. I have already done a lot of episodes on pregnancy. So I've done one with Dr. Stephen Cabral. I have done one with Dr. Sarah Buckley. There's Mama Natural Janine that I have done one with. I've done so many. So go and listen to that. And I just want to also encourage you to not take the standard advice and to always tune in with what feels good and what resonates with you. You know, there's so much standard advice that they just give to you when you go into your local doctor. But I really want you to do your own research and always do what feels true and good for you. And this is where knowledge is king. Knowledge is key, right? If you don't have all of the knowledge and both sides to the story, you can't make an executive decision. But if you only have one opinion, one side of the story, how are you supposed to make a decision that feels true for you? You haven't done the research. And this is why Nick and I are always, there's two sides to everything. We're always weighing up. Okay, well, if I, you know, did this, What's the pro? What's the con? Like, what are both sides of the story? And when it comes to this standard advice that you get when you're pregnant, I really want you guys to go and do your research and then come to a decision with what feels good in your bones.
1: Mm. I reckon one day in your typical taking complex things and breaking them down, making them simple, what you do with Master Your main Girl and Open Wide, just putting it out there, a book on pregnancy, And babies and stuff from you would be freaking amazing.
0: We'll see, hey? (laughs) We'll see about that. All right, Sonia8354. Could you please share what kind of meals and school lunches you prepare for Leo? Some healthy examples for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the whole family. You know, there's lots of recipes in my ebook, The Glow Kitchen. That's, you know, Leo eats exactly how we eat. We don't give him a, a separate meal at dinner time. He eats exactly the same as us. We don't dumb down his food and we don't. You know, cut things up for him. Like we just, he eats exactly the way that we eat. And a lot of those recipes that we make that are from the the ebook, The Glow Kitchen, which you can get on my website, you know, we'll do for dinners and then he might take that for lunch the next day. So there's so many amazing recipes out there online that you can check out.
1: Just to be a bit more specific, can I just say that Leo eats the same breakfast as me, which is great because we have the same body type essentially. So that really works well for him. And Melissa makes really simple things. He doesn't eat a lot of food at school. Like he's just busy playing and doing his thing. So they're not huge, are they? They're pretty no, simple.
0: really simple. Like a lot of cut-up veggie sticks, egg muffins, some sushi rolls and wraps with avocado, things like that. It's really simple. And, yeah, like Nick said, he doesn't eat a lot.
1: No. And then dinners, as you said, it's the same thing. And that doesn't mean that sometimes he doesn't push back on the pate or something that he doesn't want to eat he does occasionally push back and we just say, dude, in this house, that's how it's going to be. We call it crazy eating. So crazy eating is basically when you get upset by something and then you know it's going to upset you, but you let it upset you again and you get stuck in this infinite non-stop loop of crazy eating. And we just look and say, dude, you're crazy eating right now. You know, you're going to have to eat it. So let's not have the conversation. So that's just how we run it in the house. It's I've noticed with children who are really fussy eaters will only eat specific things, it really comes down to parenting. Like, if you just don't give them a choice, man, they're going to get hungry enough to eat whatever you put in front of them, right?
0: And we just don't have any junk in our house because we don't eat it. And we don't
1: want to dumb him down as well, you know? I don't want to take things out of our meal and make his meal more simple because he's a kid. I want his body to have all the full spectrum of nutrients that we have. And, you know... So many kids won't eat that vegetable, won't eat this meat, won't eat this, won't eat that. It's like, uh, no.
0: And we have a rule with Leo you try everything once. And, you know, he doesn't love things like oysters or, you know, sardines. But, you know, when we we're in Greece, I was like, you got to try it.
1: And when we do have oysters occasionally, we'll give him one and we'll just say,
0: yeah, you got to have one. You just got to have one, <laughs> you
1: know, and he, gags and carries on and literally gags like it's a real gag it's not quite, every
0: time it's pretty funny
1: actually anyway treat them as your equals i think when it comes to food is really important
0: yeah and this what you know definitely not babies we're, we're not talking about babies here we're talking about he's 13 so he's a bit different <laughs> yeah. we wouldn't give a baby an oyster
1: <laughs> you never know <laughs>
0: Okay, so 301RESA asks, where do you guys stand on Botox? I make an effort to live a toxin-free life, but sometimes very unclear where I stand on this as it's very normal in my circles and I want to look my best long-term.
1: Oh, I can talk about this one. I know exactly what you're going to say.
0: Do you? Yep. All right. You would
1: ask, why do you believe you need Botox?
0: That's the first question I was going to ask. Why do you need, why do you think you even need it? You are beautiful just as you are with your wisdom lines. And I don't think you, I think you need to think about why you need to alter your body.
1: And how do you define beauty? Why does beauty mean perfectly soft, unwrinkled skin? Like what has that got to do with beauty? Honestly, you know, like, I'm 40 years old. I think I look pretty good for my age because I've taken care of myself. The best tips for beauty and longevity, is number one, is accepting yourself for the way you are. I can't say I've always done that, but I definitely do now. I love who I am. I love how I look. And number two is just taking good care of yourself. You know what? If I don't sleep well, like last night, there were people downstairs for the first time who stayed up till one o'clock on the balcony and they were smoking cigarettes. I was coming to our room. I was so like, you can imagine me, my beautiful new toxin free home with freaking cigarette smoke coming in when I'm sleeping. It just, it's the first time that's happened.
0: And I woke up and I was like, babe, I can smell pot. (laughs) And he's like, it's not pot, sweetie. It's cigarettes. It was pot.
1: It'd be probably put us to sleep. But, and getting good night's sleep is so important. I look Older this morning because I had a crappy sleep.
0: You do not.
1: I do. I can see in my face my eyes look a bit more red. Yeah, I guess. Your skin has a grayish tone. A bit more wrinkly. Like, honestly, you you look older when you don't sleep well. So getting your sleep dialed in, making sure you're getting beautiful water. I need a lot less water than Melissa. She drinks water, a lot of water through the day. I don't.
0: But that's my pitter because I've got so much fire that I drink so much water.
1: Correct. And for my vader, if I drink lots of water, it basically leaches minerals out of my body, right? I need to hold on to all that stuff. I don't want to dilute it within my system. So beauty is about acceptance and it's about taking care of yourself. Botox is pretty new, let's face it. It hasn't been around for that long. And what is that doing? Like, come on. No judgment, it's up to you, but-
0: I just think as well, if you want to live a toxic free life- Botox is a toxin. (laughs) Well, it's it's like
1: it's a paralysis from a fish, isn't it?
0: Like poison. It's a a poison. Like, and you are trying to not poison your life, yet you're poisoning your life.
1: But also, maybe taking a look at your circle. I mean, your circle might be really beautiful people. Just because you have Botox does not mean you're a bad person. Let's just get that right.
0: No, and yeah, why do you need it? Why to be normal in your, you know, in your circle? Like.
1: So, have a good look at your friends and see what is it within themselves that they're not loving and they're not accepting. I think that's a really important question.
0: And I think with any sort of alteration that you're doing to your body, you need to ask why. Why am I doing this? Is it because I love myself so much and I want to give my body the best, you know, ingredients or whatever? Or is it because there's something that you're not loving? That's really important. I was just reading actually. Giselle's book called Lessons. It's amazing. I knew nothing about the Victoria's Secret model Giselle, nothing. And Nick bought that book for me for Christmas. And I read it in like a week. It was so great. And in it, she talks about after having her two kids, her breasts really were sagging and she was still modeling and she got her boobs done and she regrets it. She's like, I cannot believe I did this. I cannot believe I altered my body. And it really hit home, like this Victoria secret supermodel saying this. And I just really want you guys to think about Botox or any sort of alterations that you want to do to your body. Why? Why do you not feel whole and complete within yourself already? Because you're amazing and you're beautiful and your wisdom lines are amazing and your boobs are amazing and your butt is amazing. Everything is amazing. So make sure you know that.
1: Yeah, girl. (laughs) All
0: right, let's move on to some love and relationship questions. So the first question, Miss Young 91, after three relationships, I find that I fall into the continuous pattern of being the other woman, not the first choice. I feel like I'm caught in such a rut and now I find myself thinking, am I ever going to be good enough? Do you have any advice for overcoming these fears and for calling in your person?
1: Well, I can see in that question the answer. Me too. <laughs> it's it's sticking out like a sore thumb on this Google Doc because we're so organized.
0: Brooke is so organized. Brooke, thank you, Brooke. <laughs> Thanks, love, Brooke. We, we love you.
1: We do love you. I find myself thinking, am I ever going to be good enough?
0: Oh baby girl. Baby girl, baby girl. Girlfriend. Miss Young 91. You are. You are good enough.
1: There's your answer right there. You
0: are good enough. And stop telling yourself the story that you're always the other woman because if you keep telling yourself that, you will always be the other woman. So you need to dial up your worthy You need to read Mastering Your Mingo. You need to dial up your worthy You need to know that you are a 10 out of 10 on the worthy You need to know that you are good enough. And you need to rewrite that story and stop telling yourself that you were the other woman because if, unless you want to keep creating that for the next three relationships, it's time to rewrite that story.
1: I would bet, and I could be wrong, but I would bet that Miss Young 91 is not meditating.
0: Baby girl, start meditating.
1: I could be wrong, but if you're not, the process of meditation is so magical because... Every single day. Anyway, this is the technique we use, which is the, well, there's different names for it the one giant mind being technique or Vedic meditation, transcendental meditation. They all have their slight nuances, but they come from the same Vedic roots. And really, when you experience yourself beyond your mind, that's called being. That's how you do it. You do it in meditation. When you dip into a state of beingness every day, whether it's once or twice a day, of course, twice is better then you start to develop what's called self-awareness. It starts to cultivate and grow within you more and more and more. Self-awareness allows you to make better decisions, moment by moment. The better decisions you make, the better that present moment is, and the better your present moment, the better your future, right? Because you're making more intuitive choices through life. Those choices might also be who you spend your time with, including the men that you spend time with, You might realize that that person is not for you because you've cultivated self-awareness, right? Self-love practices. Any other self-love practices that fill you up and make you realize your potential and your worthiness. So meditation. Mm -hmm. Isn't it not just the answer for just about everything? It's not. Our good friend and teacher and mentor, Johnny Pollard from One Giant Mind says it's not the smoking gun for everything, but it's pretty freaking close.
0: (laughs) Exactly. It's not the magic bullet, but it's pretty close.
1: Yeah. Give it a go, Miss Young 91, if you're not already doing it. Just download the One Giant Mind app. It's for free. You get Johnny Pollard in your ears whenever you want. How cool is that? Do so that. cool.
0: And just like you take an external shower every single day to clean the dirt off the outside, meditation is like the internal shower to clean the dirt on the inside.
1: And I will say just from a masculine perspective, I mean, I would never, ever have another woman the other choice, the second choice, like I've never done that in my life, right? Well, so but some
0: people they don't. Some people they've got so much going on, babe, that in their in their own world, that
1: yeah. But that doesn't mean Miss Young ninety one has to allow that to be the case.
0: I know, but she needs to dial up her worthyometer and know that she's good enough to not attract someone, to not attract a man that is going to treat her and. Allow her to be the other woman.
1: But let's say the the dialing up of the word, the omitiveness, is a process we have to go through, right? It takes time. It's also a choice. It's a choice. But let's just say Miss Young 91 finds a new man next week and she can see the same things happening again. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is I feel like I'm a pretty good guy. I've always treated women with respect and I've always I've been a good partner, right?
0: Yeah, you're the best. And I've
1: never, ever had someone else ever in my life. What sort of person, I'm not saying they're a bad person, it's not about right or wrong, good or bad. It's just that, well, what sort of person do you want in your life?
0: Do you want someone that treats women like that?
1: So if you see that happening, you just know straight away, whoa, 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 I've attracted it again. I need to do the work. I need to communicate clearly that this is not acceptable. This is not the way that I'm allowing myself to be run as the second choice and choose better. Just choose better next time. And you know what? Right now, this moment is a clean slate. You can make a better choice in this moment and create a better future right now. I love that statement. I think it's from Conversations with God. If you don't like what you created, create again.
0: Because we're always creating. Always. I love that quote, too. It's one of my faves.
1: And just don't forget, you're freaking amazing. Seriously. You
0: are. All right. The next question from Sheridan Bowen. Does your mean girl ever tell you that Nick is not your soulmate? And same for you, babes. Does your bad boy ever tell you that I'm not your soulmate?
1: I think this is an interesting one from a yin-yang perspective because, no, for me it's never, ever come into question.
0: And for me, it has. And it is my mean girl. When we have had very heated disagreements and...
1: Hashtag fight.
0: (laughs) Hashtag (laughs) fight. My mean girl will come up and be like, oh, shouldn't be this hard. It's, you know, relationships are meant to be easy. The grass is greener on the other side. Maybe this isn't right. And my mean girl goes on a freaking tangent. But this is where... I catch her and I take myself through that three step mastering, mastering a mean girl process. And I remind myself that that's just my mean girl. And I think us women do do that a lot. We let our mean girl run off and go on these tangents. But I know deep in my soul that he is my soulmate. I know that. But sometimes, yeah, my mean girl will pop up and be like, it shouldn't be this hard. And why is it so hard? And oh my gosh, if he was my soulmate, wouldn't it be rainbows and butterflies and unicorns all the time? Yeah, right. Please show me a relationship where it is rainbows and butterflies and unicorns all the time. I'd like to interview them for relationship goals. So if you know (laughs) anyone, if anyone's listening and you have a relationship that is pure rainbows and butterflies and unicorns, please contact me.
1: All roses, no poop.
0: Yeah, all roses, no poop. I will say, though,
1: on that note, darling, I want to add that you've got to be very careful what you allow in as well. I've noticed with us when we've gone through challenges, the one time I've noticed you really question it was because you allowed an outside influence to question it. And I'm just like, what do you mean? Of course, like, what do you, like, it's just not even on my register. So when you are a bit flat or feeling stuck in a rut in your relationship, you can allow other things to come in from other people, which actually have no place in your reality. And they can just be a test and that's fine. And you know, recently Melissa and I were in a, a tricky situation. Like, we felt a bit stuck with our relationship. We were
0: going through a growth spurt. A growth spurt,
1: yeah. And, but at the time it feels like you're so not growing. Icky. You feel stuck. You don't feel like you're growing, right? And we just had to lock ourselves in our room. Leo was home that day. I'm just like, dude, I need some time with Melissa. And we literally were in our bedroom for two hours. <laughs> and we went through the full gamut of emotions. We weren't making
0: love. No, we, were, we did
1: go through the full gamut of emotions, right? All of it. Yeah. And by the end of it, we actually.
0: We did make love. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and,
1: and everything clicked and it's been great since. And because I listened to Melissa and I saw that I could see what was going on and I also could see what was going within myself. I could see how I'd shown up and how I had been really freaking average as well. And I owned it. I was like, you know what? I actually have been really crap. Like, I just owned it. And I think that was really important for you, Melissa, because I don't often own things.
0: Nope, never. He's hey. perfect, everybody. Always perfect. An angel. He's got a this halo angel. But around I did own his head. He's an angel. <laughs>
1: but in this case, I owned it. And that gave her permission to soften a bit and allow me in a little bit more because I was being more vulnerable and allowed her to then hear what I had to say And I could see straight away what was going on. And after a while, we just were like, oh my God. And you know what it came down to? It was so simple. If we want things to be different in our relationship, then I can't ask you really to do anything. And she can't ask me to do anything. All we can do is be the change we want to see in the world. We have to be the the example. It's what we spoke about before. And it was so funny because here we are, two hours later, coming to the conclusion that we can tell you in two seconds on a podcast interview, right? We know this stuff. It took us two hours to come to that conclusion. And since then, we're like, oh, yeah, that's right. If I want more love, I have to be more loving. If I want more respect, I have to be more respectful. If I want more intimacy, I have to to be more intimate. If I want more affection, I have to be more affectionate.
0: (laughs) If I want more play, I have to be more playful. If I want more spontaneity, I have to be more spontaneous. We have to take responsibility.
1: Yeah, that was a huge one for us. And you know what? We just keep learning the same freaking lessons over and over again. It's ridiculous. But anyway, here we are.
0: <laughs> That's life, huh? Yep. That is the journey. So the next question is from Jay Stu, mother of Ed, says, My husband and I are very yin and yang. How do you navigate through the mess and learn to appreciate the differences?
1: I'm so happy you're yin and yang.
0: Yeah. Yin and yang is amazing. If you were both yang you would butt heads. If you were both yin, you would also butt heads. Yin and yang is amazing. I, I think what she means is different. we're very opposite Yeah. in, in terms of values. I, I feel like that's what she means, core values, and we're very different and opposite. So how do we navigate through their growth spurts?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a challenge to answer because we're not sure exactly. But let's just take two different examples. Let's say you're talking about just very different in general meaning that your core values are very different. Now that's a tricky one because core values are really where your alignment comes from, right? So you don't have to have all the same core values. In fact, you're not going to have the same core values. It's impossible, right? Melissa and I have very closely aligned core values, thank God. But you have to be very clear on what your core values are and so does your partner. And you know what? If there are things in there that's are not aligning, but they're very, very important to you. You need to sit down. You need to have that conversation. Like, if you have different core values around wealth, you need to or money, you need to speak about that. If you have different core values around how to parent, I mean, good that's luck.
0: A big one. That's, that's a challenge. Big. Right? Like, if you believe in smacking your kid and your partner doesn't, that's a biggie. That's a huge one.
1: So the question really comes down to: How do you navigate through the mess and learn to impre- appreciate the differences? Well is it a mess? Well, that's the first question to ask yourself. Is it a mess? Like Change your perspective on those icky times to, as Melissa said before, they're growth spurts, right? And you're going to have them. You're going to have them. It's going to happen. And yin and yang, if you're looking at it from a polarity perspective, is great because if you don't have any polarity, you're not going to be making any love. There's going to be no passion. Passion is so important in a relationship. So it's a bit hard to answer the question. I don't know exactly what She's asking, do you want to have a crack at it?
0: Yeah, I think what she is meaning is that we're different and it comes back, like you said, to the core values. And you need to really, this is what I do in chapter four in Open Wide. You got to get really super clear on your core values. And so that you can align yourself with someone who has similar, if not the same, core values as you. And I think it's just really important having a crystal clear conversation. And practicing crystal clear communication with your beloved and telling them about your values and what's really important to you and where you're willing to compromise and surrender. I think that's really important. And this kind of follows on to the next question. Mm. Caroline Flate and she wants to know about communication. She loves to talk and wants to express her emotions all the time. However, her partner is the total opposite who doesn't like to talk or express his emotions. So, how can we meet in the middle? At the moment, I feel like I keep my emotions in to not be too much, which I know is not a good thing long term, which is absolutely not we don't want to suppress any emotions. So, okay. I am pretty sure and this is a generalization that most people listening, there will be one person in the partnership that likes to talk and communicate. Usually it's the feminine and the masculine maybe doesn't as much. And that's just how they process things. You have to remember that when we were hunter gatherers, the women stayed back around the campfires talking and communicating and you know, sharing and gossiping and giggling and laughing and making weaving baskets and all sorts of things while the men went out on their own to hunt. And then they came back and they would then, you know, be in the tribe again. So I think it's really important that you have a conversation with them about your communication styles. So, and you say, you know, I really like to talk about things, but if he doesn't, you can't change him. So there is somewhere you have to meet in the middle. I think it's also very important as the feminine, we love to talk that you have a healer or a spiritual guide or a teacher or a therapist that you talk to. So I have someone that I talk to. I have a few people that I can call on actually that are in my speed dial that I can say, Hey, I need to chat to you about something. Nick isn't my counselor. Nick isn't my coach. He's not my mentor. Even though he does inspire me in that way, but he's not my therapist, and I can't dump every single thing on him. It's really important that I take responsibility and I go and seek support somewhere else, or you know, chatting to a girlfriend that I love and trust, and that I have that type of relationship with, and then I um, can deal with it and process things on my own. We can't dump verbally dump everything on our partners. It's not fair. They're our lover first and foremost. Yes, they're our best friend as well, and maybe you work together, so they're also your business partner. But they're not your dumping ground for your stuff. And this is something that I'm real. I'm like I have solely chats with my best friends every week, chatting about different things. It's not fair that I dump it on Nick. So in saying that, make sure you get support somewhere else, whether it's your mum, a friend, or a therapist, or whatever, and. You also communicate with your partner that that's how you communicate. So, can we find a middle ground? Do you have anything to add to that? Or what are your thoughts, babe?
1: Well, <laughs> it's funny. Like just that question, then in hearing your response, you can see the feminine coming out. But um, yeah, look, one thing we've implemented is something we call a love bubble, and the love bubble is kind of something you can dip into whenever you want, regularly if you if you need to, or it can be kind of like a emergency situation where you need to communicate. It's really, really simple. We tend to sit on the bed, facing each other, holding hands often.
0: And we always say, let's have a love bubble. So we know we're about to have a love bubble.
1: So the parameters have been set and you're in a safe space. One person gets to talk.
0: And not interrupt.
1: Yeah, no interrupting like she just did then.
0: Until the other person's finished. (laughs) This is different. We're not in a love bubble right now. True.
1: But one person gets to share And then you just wait and you just listen. Because often the feminine just wants to be heard, number one, right? And even just waiting and saying, thank you, I hear you, can be enough sometimes. But waiting and saying, is there anything else you would like to add to that? Like inviting more, not saying you done. (laughs) Is there anything else you'd like to add to that? And they can say, no, I feel like I've said what I want to say, and then the other person can respond. But you're doing it from a place of love. So when you communicate from the heart, you get met with heart. When you communicate from the head, you get met with very heady responses, which can be aggressive and, you know, not your truth. So the love bubble has been really great for us in certain situations, for sure.
0: Mm, Definitely do that. All right. Next question from Kat Tilly. What activities do you do together to connect apart from lovemaking?
1: Okay. So I know we say apart from lovemaking, but I don't want to skip over it because it is. Yeah,
0: that's like the ultimate connection.
1: Yeah, it's so, so important.
0: And regularly, regularly, like not once a week. I find when... Nick and I, you know, get any less than two or three times a week. It's like we feel there's just not as much flow.
1: I'm probably more okay with it than Melissa. I don't know if it's a masculine (laughs) thing, but she like, you know, she just gets a bit grumpy. (laughs) So I know I've got to step up. And often, to be honest, it's just often just laziness as well. And there have been things in my life over the years I've been lazy with, and that was one of them in all my relationships, actually. But with Melissa, I'm so conscious of it and so aware because it's so important. And she's my soulmate. And I don't want to show up like an average piece of poop.
0: And I also practice crystal clear communication with him. Like I also say, I would like to make love tonight.
1: She does literally say it. I
0: say it like that. Like he, you know, because a lot of women I know and a lot of my friends, they're like, he's not making love to me. And we're not making love. And we haven't made love in a. You know, a few weeks. And I'm like, but have you told them? They're like, no. But shouldn't he know by my body language that I'm annoyed? Well, no. So I literally will say to Nate, I would like to make love tonight. Well,
1: yesterday was funny. She's like, <laughs> I can't remember the exact words. Maybe you do. But I think it was something like, so are we even going to like make love today or what? <laughs> like, She goes, do you even care? <laughs> do you think- I get that all the all the time. Do you even care. even care that
0: we haven't made love? Do you even care? did you
1: even care? I'm like, up, right, baby. It's been like two days. Let's give me, <laughs> give me, give me a break. But yeah, I don't want to skip over lovemaking because it is the one thing you can do with your partner that no one else can do unless you're in an open relationship, which has its challenges, right? So, so important. But in, apart from that, there's so many things, you know, like just eating together and talking, getting into bed and talking. Even just reading next to each other in bed, it's not the same, but it can be nice just to be in the same room and just chilling. Going for a swim together.
0: Yeah, going for a walk walk or a stand-up paddle board. Going on date nights. We don't often do date nights because we love our cooking so much that we eat at home a lot, but we do picnics. That's really fun.
1: We, We struggle with date nights as well because most restaurants use oils we don't want to eat. We only like cooking with coconut oil, ghee, or that's it really, nothing else. We actually very, very rarely use any oils because we know it's not good to heat them up, right? So it makes date nights a bit challenging. So we're starting to think more about picnics and things like that. What else, darling, do we do?
0: They're probably the main things. Or well, giving each other a foot rub, a massage. Yeah, have a bath together.
1: Our massages last like five minutes.
0: Oh my gosh. Is so anyone else's partner? I'm like, can you give me a neck rub? And he'll like do it for two seconds and then stop. And I'm like tapping his hand. I'm like, hello, I'm still here.
1: It's funny when we were staying with my parents a lot recently while we were renovating, we would spend every night sitting on the couch, the four of us, and watching Graham Norton or, you know, Escape, in, Escape to the Sun or whatever, one of my dad's property shows he likes to watch. And I used to sort of just keep an eye on my mum because I'd be rubbing Melissa's feet while we're watching TV and like every 30 seconds she'd like wiggle her toes to remind me to keep going I could see mum just sort of like out of the corner of her eye watching that going on
0: oh my god that is so cute did she really do that (laughs)
1: just watching yeah I could see it I don't know if she's thinking man she's a ball breaker or like that's really (laughs) cute I don't know
0: that's so funny
1: but yeah we do lots of little things it changes a lot it can be cooking like two nights ago it was making a giant cooking and eating way too much and feeling really sick and then sympathising with each other about how stupid we are eating, no, it, eating cacao at night.
0: Yeah, but like cooking together, cooking something different together, not like just cooking the same thing each night, like cooking together and going, okay, we're going to create something different together or we're going to follow a recipe together. And, yeah, there's so many different things that light us up that, you know, we do, we love going to the markets together and, yeah, just there's so many things, just get creative with it. And
1: Dancing. I do ballroom dance.
0: Yeah, ballroom dancing. It's the best. Yeah. Okay. So Kat has a second question. How do you move on from past hurts that have happened in the current relationship? So not meaning past hurts from a different relationship. So Mm. from a previous year or situation or something like that. So how do you move on from that? Great question. Really good question. So we kind of have a rule that you can't bring up those things again and say, "Well, 5 years ago you did that and, you know, we've moved on." And so we kind of have this rule where you can't bring up things from the past in that way. Although we <laughs> Although we don't always remember. We break
1: that rule sometimes.
0: Yeah, and and so cuz that just stops the whole, "Yeah, but 4 years ago you did that." It's that is just not supportive for anyone's growth because you're not the same person as you were 4 years ago. And so we had this conversation with each other where we said, okay, we we can't do that anymore. And it's been really supportive and helpful, but sometimes we forget.
1: Yeah, I think there's no specific magic wand other than just not doing it. Yeah. Don't remind people of what happened in the past. What has the past got to do with now? present moment. Zero. And,
0: And you're not the same person as you were, my love, back then. Thank goodness you've grown and evolved. So you need to remember that. And just, I think, practicing crystal clear communication with your beloved and saying, hey, let's not do, let's make a commitment to each other that we're not going to ever bring the past up again in a heated discussion.
1: Because tit for tat stuff just sucks. It's so gross.
0: Yeah. We don't play tit for tat. We know a lot of people that do play tit for tat, but that's another thing that we made a commitment to each other not playing tit for tat because it's just. A never-ending cycle. Okay, so the next question is from Jazz Lipska. And she wants to know what's been the greatest highlight as a couple for you guys last year, 2018, and what has been the greatest challenge?
1: Traveling and just the dynamics of all that. It's really interesting. So that was a beautiful experience. Buying our first home together, because we Yeah. You know, this is the first one we actually bought together. And that's been a beautiful thing to buy and to build
0: and renovate
1: and just to create our own wellness sanctuary. It's been really beautiful. I think for me personally, it has been kind of an independent thing because for me last year, it represented moving on from some old stuff that I was carrying forward. So I think sometimes the greatest highlights in a relationship can be something that you do yourself, which then enhances the relationship. I was just really proud of myself the way that I managed to move through some challenges from 2017. That was a highlight for me personally.
0: I've got some more highlights our America trip, our open wide tour. Oh,
1: open wide tour. So good. The first
0: night we slept in, our beautiful home was very exciting. In
1: our very Rolls Royce y Semina sleep system.
0: So good. The best
1: bed in the world.
0: There's been so many highlights. And I think. The greatest challenge for me personally has been some stuff I've been working through that has been brought to my attention around parenting and my relationship with Leo. So that's been probably the biggest challenge for me this year. What was your greatest challenge though?
1: My greatest challenge was holding space for you to move through that. Yeah. Yeah, 100%.
0: So the next question from Caradell 87 how was your role as a step-parent at the start? How did it feel? Did your bonus child take to you well? Okay, so we've spoken a little bit about this situation in the last yin and yang, and we do still want to do a whole podcast on parenting and step-parenting. I'm trying to get Dr. Charlie Safari, who wrote The Conscious Parent, on the podcast. So if anyone knows her, please hook us up because I'd love to have her on the show. But step parenting or bonus parenting is an incredibly different dynamic and and I'm still learning along my way. But Leo, yes, absolutely did take to me from the very start. We were in love with each other from day one. We had a beautiful relationship. Leo's a very loving, touchy-feely, beautiful child in that way. So at the beginning it was so easy it was it was it was easier than it is now
1: it was just a bonus back then
0: yeah it was just awesome and then a couple of years in it did kind of shift and i feel like my role you know i feel like those first few years whilst it was all bliss i was kind of trying to find my position in the family and like trying to find my spot, so to speak. And that's when it became challenging. Like at the start, it was just so beautiful because I was just swept up in all of the love and the emotion. And then I started to realize, okay, well, where do I sit in all this? And I got too heady about it all. I was like, well, what's my role and where do I stand and how can I, you know, parent and all this stuff? And I got really, really heady about the whole thing. And at the end of the day, you need to get out of your head and into your heart. And ultimately, all that child needs and all any child needs is love and presence. They do not care whether you buy them the ice cream or the new Lego. They don't care. All they want is your love and your presence. They don't care about flashy toys and big trips and things like that. They just want your love and presence. And I've found that that is, you know, I was tr- almost trying too hard in a sense that, and I was just overthinking so many things, and I'm still learning. I'm still learning this whole I'm still learning how to be really in my flow with this.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be a lifetime thing. You know, just as me being a parent and blood parent to Leo is also a lifetime thing. I mean, I'm learning.
0: Oh, you haven't nailed it yet?
1: Last week I was apologizing to Leo multiple times for being <laughs> such a douchebag.
0: Oh what? So so you haven't got it all together.
1: I do not have it all together.
0: <laughs> no, I'm not I'm not saying that vindictively, Delling. I'm just saying as well, because I think a lot of people think they've got to be the perfect parent and the perfect step parent, but you need to delete that word perfect out of your vocabulary and there's many times where I've sat down with Leo and I've said to him, Angel, I'm still learning how to be a stepmama and no one gave me a manual and I'm still learning. And, mm. yeah, Nick does the same thing. Buddy, I'm still learning how to be a dad. You know, I've, I've never done it before. I've never done it before. Yeah. For my first time.
1: I think another realisation we've had is that obviously Leo has a birth mother but he has... Another mother, called Melissa. I think the word "step" it's almost like it keeps you one step away, like at arm's length. Mm. And I think it's really kind of—is dem- it demeaning?
0: Maybe we should change it to ins- something else that starts with "s" instead of "step." It could be "star mother."
1: Yeah, star mom. Yeah, just bonus mom.
0: Bonus mom, star mom.
1: Because I do—I honestly do believe that. I think some of the complications in step-parenting come from the step-parent not knowing their place and the child not knowing the place with the step-parent. But I think if we just actually own it for what it is, when Leo is with us, Melissa is playing the role of mother in the house. That's ultimately what she's providing for Leo. She's the mother figure, right? doesn't mean that she's his mum. He has a mother who is a blood mother and she's a great mum. but. We're talking about when he's with us, Melissa is that person. And when he's with his mother, her partner is the father figure. And I'm very, very grateful for that person playing that role because Leo needs that. He needs to see the masculine. He needs to see the yin and the yang. And I love that acceptance because no one's trying to steal each other's glory or thunder here. We're just accepting it for what it truly is, which then brings you closer and acknowledging that the three of us are a family. We are 100% a family. It is not Nick and Leo or, and then Melissa on the side. And I think that's how a lot of step parents feel. And that's how Melissa has felt. 100%. You felt that, haven't you, darling? Mm-hmm. And by owning it, by saying, you know what? I'm freaking important. My role is important. I am the mother of the house when the three of us are together. It's a beautiful thing. And getting rid of this step thing, I don't like this step thing. It's just, you know. Yeah,
0: that's what we don't use that word.
1: There was friends of ours said, that cinderella screwed it for everyone with the evil (laughs) stepmom
0: it it really did didn't it
1: stepmoms don't have to be evil melissa is very far from evil so it is a challenge it's a it's a work in progress and it'll always be a work in progress but there's a lot of love between the two of them and a lot of patience between the two of them and myself as well as we navigate it's never going to be perfect it's just what
0: it is Mm -hmm. we're all learning and growing okay the next question avo coco 2. She says, I feel almost guilty to talk about it, but I f- don't feel the desire to have children. What are your thoughts on being a feminine goddess without the wish of bringing children into your life? A man I deeply love just decided not to have a relationship with me because he can't imagine a life without having children. That, of course, deeply hurt me. And this is the ultimate gift of a woman to a man, given- giving him a child. How can I change my energy around this topic to feel good enough as a woman? And what can I instead give a man so he is deeply satisfied? Wow. Big.
1: Big topic. What can I give a man so he is deeply satisfied? You can give him one thing. All of yourself.
0: Your whole heart. Your whole heart. That's all you have to give.
1: The the best version of avocado too. (laughs) I'm assuming you love avocados and coconuts. So do I. But in terms of not having children, I mean, that's just a very, very personal thing. It's something that I have I don't know anything about that because I have a child. And Melissa also desires to have children one day of her own. She has a bonus child. So it's very hard for us to comment on that. I think the last part of this question is the most important thing. And of course, if a man does decide to leave because he has children, well hey, sorry, because he wants children, well, that's perfectly okay. Mm, that's right? his choice. There's a core value that's really misaligned.
0: And that's a core value of his and that's okay. And that's a preference of his and it's a preference of yours. There was a time where I didn't think, you know, I wanted to before Nick, this was, and I believe it's because I was not with my soulmate. And then it's almost as soon as I, you know, Nick and I got together, I was like, I didn't want to get married or, and I didn't want to have children. And I share about this in open wide. And then as soon as I got, then as soon as Nick and I got together, I was like, Oh my God, I want to get married. And I want to have your babies because you know, we're, He's my one, he's my soulmate. So I think that's okay. And you can't, don't beat yourself up for not having that desire. Like, I've got two of my best friends from school who I met in year eight, and they're still my good friends. And one of them in particular, all she wanted was to be a mama and a stay at home mama. That's all she wanted her whole life. And I used to think, oh, like, maybe I'm not meant to have kids because. I don't have that feeling. Like, I wanna write books and I wanna speak on stages and I wanna do all of these things. And I thought something was wrong with me because I didn't have that burning desire like she did. And there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. It's a preference and it's your choice. And no one can tell you that's right or wrong. If you wanna have kids, great. If you don't, great. It's your choice. This is your life. And don't let anyone make you feel less than because of one of your core values and one of your choices. That is uh-uh. And that man isn't meant for you, my love.
1: That's okay. It's not. It doesn't make him bad either. No. It's just the core values.
0: Yeah, and I think it's really important that you stay true to your core values. And the last bit of that question, which is, you know, is key, what can I give a man so he feels deeply satisfied? Just give your whole self. That's it. hope that helps.
1: Now, I listening to you, I was just thinking about this a bit more and realising, okay, that's all good and well, and I agree with everything that we have said. However, Coco too, If I were sitting in a room with you and I had an hour or two just to go deep, which would be awesome, right, on this sort of topic, I would like to make sure that this is not just something you've sold yourself because it's covering up something else. Now, I'm not saying that's the case. But but the,
0: the question needs to be asked.
1: Is there something that you're not looking at? Remember, what we resist persists and what we look at disappears. Have you just convinced yourself of the story that you're you don't want to have children? Possibly. I know women, in fact, a couple of women quite well who had the same belief, the same story, and what changed? They met someone, <laughs> and all of a sudden they wanted to have kids. So I'm not saying it's dependent upon meeting the right man at all. That obviously does help, but just be sure. Go deeper than yourself and be sure that it's not a story you have sold yourself and now are telling yourself over and over again, right? It's this novel that you keep on reading. Mm. Be really careful about that.
0: It's a great point because that was definitely the case for me. All of my past relationships, I was like, I don't want to get married and I don't want to have kids. Then I met Nick and I was like, I want to marry you and I want to have your kids.
1: And I didn't want to get married again. I sold myself that story and then I met Melissa and I was like,
0: and we got engaged after two weeks.
1: It was just a no-brainer. Three, four days in, I was looking for an Australian sapphire.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So just something to ponder on. Good
1: question, though. Yeah, really, really good, good question.
0: question.
1: I think this is the last one.
0: This is the last one. We've been going for a while. So this is Kate Ify. I would love to know how you support each other through your struggles and how to best support our loved ones. So we kind of answered this question before. Yeah. That was more about inspiring the other person, but how we support each other. I think it's really important, like with when you marry someone, when you are in a long- term relationship, or well, not just a long term, when you are in a relationship with someone, you are committed to supporting them. And there's going to be times where I'm going through something, and Nick is my rock, and it's his role to help me get up off the floor. And metaphorically and physically, you know, and then there's going to be times where Nick might be going through something and it's my role, my role to support him through that. And that doesn't mean it's not always challenging. Like sometimes it's challenging, especially like if Nick was going through something and I'm in a really happy mood and I'm like, come on, like, let's just go play and dance. And he's going through something. I have to respect that. And I have to support him through that. I think where a lot of people go wrong is they get frustrated and then they, if that person's down, they then go down as well. And then there's two people on the floor. And our role is to not meet that person on the floor and to kind of throw our hands in the air. It's to help inspire each other out of those darker times. That is my role with Nick, is to help him see his true brilliance all the time. And if he's going through something, it's to help mirror back to him what he may not be seeing clearly to support him through those times when he went through that really challenging time in 2017 I stood by his side does that mean it was easy no for those that came to open wide that the tour and you know have read my book there was many nights where I slept on the couch there was many nights where I thought holy moly are we going to make it through this but supporting them through those times is what we sign up for. It's what we sign up for when we enter a relationship.
1: It's interesting reflecting on that period of time in my life. And also it's interesting because once I sort of transcended that challenge, then you had your own challenges and I'm, I've been holding space for you. And it's <laughs> if you can be an amazing partner most of the time because it's hard to be freaking perfect all the time let's face it
0: be careful of your words take out hard and take out perfect
1: oh dearie me it's so hard to live up to your expectations sometimes
0: (laughs) reframe it yeah i mean take out those two words
1: it can be challenging
0: it can feel challenging
1: yeah it it absolutely can feel challenging to be the person that you know you can be
0: that's better there you go
1: Words are powerful, you're right, and that's she just pulled me up. That's the role of a partner, right? Now, if during those times you just keep showing up and you just keep (laughs) taking it head on, then there's never any doubt about the relationship because the last thing you want is there to be a challenging time and doubts about the relationship.
0: That just adds extra stress.
1: It's crappy, right? And it's interesting, recently I thought, you know what, if I just was a freaking rock star all the time, And just showed up consistently, 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 as best as I know I can, then that little belief that came into Melissa's head about, is he the one? That would never have come up because I would have, that just wouldn't have happened. It came up as well because I wasn't being all I could be for her. And so I was like, it became this little challenge. Hmm. How good can I be? What if I just become like this dream freaking amazing husband?
0: And he has been, seriously.
1: It's been like two weeks. Let's not get too excited. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's really important as well is to is for your partner to be an amazing partner and not bring doubt about the relationship into the challenge because that sucks. And what happens then is one person closes. Genuinely when someone's challenged, they close down.
0: And we all know that nothing good comes from closing.
1: Seriously, it's so important. And it's so tattooed
0: Im- it on your forehead.
1: Sometimes so hard. Ooh, there, there it is. There you go.
0: I just gave him a look. Oh dear. Reframe that.
1: Sometimes it is most definitely a challenge.
0: Nope. Again.
1: Can you reframe it for me?
0: Sometimes it sucks. I don't know. How's that any
1: better than challenge?
0: Okay, sometimes it feels challenging.
1: Sometimes it's very interesting about that.
0: Yeah, you can say interesting. (laughs) But I think remembering nothing good comes from closing is really important. And I think Nick and you know, Nick and I have had this conversation, like no matter what, we're in this for life. We are in this for life. And there may be more challenging times and we may move through them really quickly, or we may take A little bit longer to move through them. And either way, we're in this for life. So that doubt can be erased. And then you can just focus on moving through whatever it is that you are moving through and supporting that person or whatever it is that's going on for you guys in that life. So remove that doubt, have that conversation. Like, I mean, when you get married, you are, you're in it. But knowing you're really in it.
1: The other thing is that when you're having the doubt about a relationship, it's actually just taking you away from looking at what you need to look at.
0: Yeah, it's a distraction. It's
1: actually an excuse a lot of the time. mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's not about me. The relationship is the cause of all my woes.
0: Yeah, the grass is greener over there. Well, no, the grass is greener where where you water it. Where you water
1: girlfriend, and men out there listening. I think that's a great way to finish...
0: Hashtag the grass is greener where you water it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I love doing this yin-yang Q&A because my podcast is finished.
0: Yeah, so sad. But it's still all up. So, guys, go and listen to every single episode again. Listen to every single one 10 billion times and implement everything that you've learned from that because it's epic. We'll link to everything in the show notes that we've spoken about. And we'll do another one of these. Don't you worry. We love doing them. And we hope you got a lot out of this. We absolutely love doing these for you. So thank you so much for being here and we will see you on the next yin and yang Q&A. Thank you for being here, darling.
1: We love you heaps.
0: That was so much fun. I love doing these episodes for you guys and if you love them too and if you want us to keep doing them, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it means that you like these yin and yang episodes and that we will keep doing them for you. And don't forget to come and join the MA Tribe private Facebook group where you can share insights from this episode plus tell me who else you want me to have on the show. It's also a very sacred space where we can come together to discuss all things mastering your main goal and open wide, along with anything else that you feel called to contribute to the open and honest conversation. You will also get some extra love and support personally from me that I won't be offering anywhere else. One thing I get asked a lot is where can I find my tribe or where can I find like minded people? Guys, this is the place. This is why I created this private Facebook group for you. So head to Melissarambrasini.com forward slash tribe to join right now. And for everything that Nick and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 171. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. Another thing I wanted to mention before we go is that if you haven't got my latest book, Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships and Soulful Sex, all you have to do is head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide to get your copy now. And when you're there, you will also get access to my free open wide video masterclass that Nick and I created just for you. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave me that five-star review right now. I would be so grateful. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest and shiniest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock.